0: Greetings in the name of Christ to all of you. I always come to the end of a week of meetings and never quite sure what to say. I appreciate all the hospitality that we've been shown. God bless you for that. It's been a real blessing to be here. Our uh, We've been treated very kindly and hospitable, uh, we've enjoyed our time here it brings back a lot of memories i feel like i have many friends in this area and although i might have trouble recalling your name i still appreciate your association and your your presence your encouragement your prayers all of that i would thank the bethany congregation especially for Uh, the many courteous things you did for us, uh, the gift and all. I want to encourage you, keep on. Don't stop. Keep on. And so may the grace of God be with you as we go from here from this point on. It's been a good week for me, and I thank the Lord. I'm always a bit hesitant about my own health and wondering how it's going. For those of you who may not know, I had COVID, and I'm still struggling with my lungs a little bit, but it's going well, and I thank God. So, all right, we're doing memory work. Now, if I had a chart, I'd put a star on all of your names, okay? But I can't do that this time, so you'll have to give yourself a star. All right, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 is what we're quoting. So if you need the Bible, go ahead and open it up. If not, let's all stand and let's quote it together. I tell you what let's do. Let's have, let's have the brethren go first, okay? All right, the brethren first. Sisters, you listen. Here we go. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. All right, sisters, let's do it. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now everyone, all right, ready? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on things of the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with christ in god god bless you you may be seated i would urge you to continue keeping those verses in your mind tonight i as was already stated i asked several brethren please pray for me because i was unclear for sure what the lord wanted for tonight uh, I have a message here that if you were here 16 years ago, you would remember this. Well, maybe. 16 years ago, I I told the brethren, I have trouble remembering what I preached last Sunday. I don't know about the rest of you preachers, but that sometimes is a dilemma for me. You're busy thinking about other things. I would like to bring a message tonight on what does it mean to preach the cross? In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I've quoted that verse several times, but I would say that that's the spot I want to begin with tonight, where it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Also, take with your Bibles turned back to uh, Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, at the very last of that chapter, there's a beautiful passage of scripture I love to preach from this text. The Lord didn't seem to lead that way this year, or this time, I'm sorry. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to tell you at the outset, those of you that may be here tonight and have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you are welcome to come to Christ tonight. And I think it's important That you think carefully about that. What does it mean to come to Jesus? And then, what does it mean to allow him to be the Lord of your life? That's the issue that I want to pursue tonight. So, the call is two ways. First of all, do come to Christ. Second of all, follow Christ and bear his yoke as you go. The concept of discipleship. Jesus said... Here in this passage, verse 29, that we're to take his yoke upon ourselves. Now, a yoke serves to tie two together and thus work together. We're here commanded to take my yoke upon ourselves, Jesus' yoke. What's the nature of Christ's yoke? I would ask you to think about that. Well, he says further that in coming to him we will find rest to our souls. That's a wonderful thing. If you're here and you do not have rest in your own soul, you need to find rest in Christ tonight. I want to urge you to do that. However, when you come, we're talking about not the rest of inactivity, where you sit on the recliner and do nothing, but rather there's a harmonious working of all the faculties and affections and the will and the heart and everything of you that you have within your your disposition because each one of these things is found necessary to serve Christ in an ideal way and there's a satisfaction in developing and growing to be a servant of Christ. You must first find rest for your soul. Before you can take upon you the yoke of Christ. And I would tell you that there is rest in the yoke of submission. I heard my father say that several times. There is rest in the yoke of submission. I don't know if that was original with him or not. I really don't know. Self sometimes, especially, uh, uh, well, no, let me back up. Self needs to be abased. And uh, proud thoughts need to be brought down. And the flesh needs to be silenced and divine power needs to reside within the heart. And if it doesn't happen that way, you will not find rest for your souls. And the yoke that you take upon you will feel like drudgery. Those who would know God must do so by familiarizing themselves with the lordship of Christ. What does it mean to preach the gospel of Christ? What does it mean to preach the cross? We come to Christ for rest, and he becomes our ruler. How does that sound restful? We come to Christ, and he becomes our king. He lords over us. He lords over us in that we resign our will to the lordship of Christ. It's necessary. We now serve a new master the rest he promises is a release from the drudgery of sin. Because sin causes unrest on the soul inside your very bosom. No, it's not, it's not rest from the service of God. But it's an obligation and a duty of work for Christ. Yoked with Christ is not drudgery. It's not bondage. For service now becomes my joy I love my master, and I want to serve him with my whole heart. This new yoke is a yoke of love. Whereas before you were bound by the chains of sin, now there's a yoke, but it's a yoke of love for Christ. I deny my will and my selfish longings. And folks, I cringe and sometimes I want to cry when it's time for baptism. And we ask those converts, those sometimes that are quite young, and we ask them, Have you resigned your own will and your selfish desires? Are you willing to take upon yourself the the yoke of Christ? We ask them at times through baptism. Folks, I cringe sometimes because we're asking for a huge commitment. Are you willing tonight? Are you willing tonight to say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. If that's not your case, I want you to think about it. And so instead of serving as a slave myself, I can deny myself by the power of Christ and I can serve him. And folks, that's a huge, huge issue. Today, there's some people that want to teach you that you need to learn to love yourself. I'm telling you, folks, I know how to love myself way too good already. I do, and I think we need to be careful. Unfortunately, there's a generic kind of spirituality that's going around. It's a velvet cross, if, as it were, but it's also producing an anemic kind of people, and that's unfortunate. Sometimes there's people that like to trivialize the cross, and they might even start making gold pins that you can wear, and you wear it as a badge of honor. But folks, that's not the cross we're talking about tonight. The Bible cross is one that right now is being challenged at times because of the issues of lordship. There has to be holy behavior. Yes, there's an offense to the cross of Christ. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. It ought to stop. If I preach, if I preach about Christ, but it doesn't stop. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're talking about answering the question tonight. What does it mean to preach the cross? Well, we're talking about lordship salvation, folks. We're not talking about a cheap kind of cost where you come and you find yourself uh, just having good fun serving Jesus. Folks, that's a misrepresentation of biblical Christianity. And unfortunately, many people see it that way. That is not what the scripture is teaching and I want to show you tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, I, I want to just comment on this phrase. I think he's saying, it seems like that Jesus has called me to be an evangelist and to preach the gospel in various places. That's what I think he's saying. But he said, I, I, another place he said, I can't remember. In fact, it's in this chapter, I think. I can't remember how many people I might have baptized, maybe one or two or three or four. I'm not just real sure that's what he was saying. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's my call, he felt like, I think. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now let me point out something. There's times that I think that we could actually injure the message of the cross of Christ. With our words. I don't want to do that. I want to be very plain. I want to be very clear so that you can understand what it is I'm talking about tonight. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Folks, I remember how it was in my own life when I got serious with God. And I remember when I gave my heart in resigning my will to the Lordship of Christ And how it felt when we had revival meetings and the dear preacher just preached his heart out. And I remember, I clearly remember seeing the clock this one time and it was 10 minutes till nine. And I thought it just can't be. I hope he doesn't look at the clock. Preach on. I remember how that felt. It says here. To those of us that are saved, it's the power of God, and we want to hear more, and we want to know more. That's the right attitude. Verse 19, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where's the philosophy of men? Where is it? Where is the scribe? Where's the one that can write it out? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. In other words, if wisdom is so great, how is it that men cannot discover who God truly is and know his truth? I think that's what he's discussing. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, folks, I've stood up here for the last week preaching. Uh, You know, I don't even remember. Did I ever beat on the pulpit? (laughs) Sometimes I do. I forget myself and I kind of get kind of emphatic and I bang around on the pulpit. Well, you know, the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of declaration of the gospel of Christ. Unless you understand and know who Jesus is and have a desire to serve him, you may look at this as being foolish and a waste of time. In fact, there's probably people that drive by on this road and say, I wonder what's going on at that church. And then they come back the next night and they look again and they say, well, they got lights on again. What are they doing in there? And then by the third or fourth night, they might say, wow, those are people that are gluttons for punishment. I heard there's a preacher there and he shouts. Verse 22, the Jews require a sign. See, they like the miracles. They liked that. They thought that was exciting. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. They were pursuing the intellectual kind of things. And folks, I think we need to be a little bit careful with that intellectualism. Now, I enjoy a good discussion as well, but I think we need to be careful. We can fall off the road in this ditch or that ditch. The one would say, well, show me a sign. Do another miracle, Jesus. That's fun. The other ones say, let's have a high-level discussion. I think we need to be kind of careful. He says, verse 23, but we preach Christ. How? Crucified. There's the cross of Christ. Unto the Jews a stumbling block. I told you this morning they stumbled over that block. To the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. It blesses our hearts because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. You are all of him. That's the point of this verse. You are all of him that are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made into us what? Wisdom. Listen, you come to Jesus Christ, you pour out your heart to him, you give him everything you have, and he will lead you. And 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 you will be you will be intrigued by the wisdom that is in Christ. You'll, you'll want to be hungry. In our congregation, we have a converted brother. He was a former atheist. He said, There's no God. His mother taught him that. His father was Catholic. But he came to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, folks, when he comes to the scripture and he starts expounding, it's a joy to hear that man. He teaches the gospel if he has Sunday school or whatever, he has a topic or whatever. Where does he get the wisdom of Christ? It's as though when he became a Christian, he just absorbed all of the scripture. And he'd read and read and read and read. Just blesses my heart every time. He's our wisdom. He's our righteousness. He's our uprightness and character. He shows us how to live and how to behave. Folks, I pray to God that this week may have bumped us on further in our Christian walk in righteousness and sanctification, cleaning up our lives, keeping them pure, and redemption that you can look back and you can with great appreciation drive home and say, we have a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful Savior. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Folks, we're talking about living in victory. We need to be careful Are we yielding ourselves to the Lordship of Christ? Are we yielding ourselves to the Lordship of Christ? What does it mean when we say that we preach the cross? I'm asking you to think that through carefully. Take your Bibles and turn with me to another passage of Scripture. Go with me to Matthew and chapter um, 16, I believe it is. Matthew chapter 16. Oh, where did we put Matthew? Having trouble finding him. Here we go. Matthew chapter 16. It says in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me. He made a moral choice. His will was involved. He says, "I, I will. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. There's an identification. He says I am willing to take up the cross. And I'm willing to follow Jesus. Jesus says let him deny himself. And take up his cross. And follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake. Shall find it. For what is a man profited? If he gained the whole world. And lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you willing to trade your faith for? Could I buy you out? If I had enough money, would you sell? Everybody says, oh, I say everybody. Many people say, well, everything's for sale. Now, wait a minute. You think about your faith. Folks, think about it. Go with me to another passage of Scripture. Let's go further. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Back up a couple pages. Matthew chapter 10. The preaching of the cross means lordship. That's what it means. All right, Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse 34. Matthew 10, verse 34. There it says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, I came not to send peace, but a sword. I'm come to set a, a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. I don't think Jesus was saying, I'm teaching you these truths so that you will go fight with your family. No, that's not what he's teaching. Go on, listen to what he says. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. Then he goes on to explain in detail. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and will followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Folks, it's important that we understand what it means to preach the cross. I mentioned it to you partly the other night. Someone has said, are you sure that you want to come to Jesus? Because when you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will require total control of your life. If you're going to be genuine with God, you can't go part way. You must give up everything you have for the cause of Christ. You must sell out to Jesus, as it were. There was a young lady. This is a true story, as I understand. A young lady who her parents had given her a, an ultimatum had said, you may not serve Jesus. She had gone to Sunday school and became converted. This was over in England, I believe. They said, you have to choose between the family fortune or Christ. They gave her a deadline date, and on the date of her deadline, she sat down at the piano because Father had said, well, what have you decided? Are you willing to give up the estate and your right to the estate, or are you willing to give up this foolish religion that you're into? She sat down at the piano, and she began to play and to sing this song. Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow Thee. Naked, poor, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still my own. Let the world despise and leave me, they've left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me, thou art not like them, untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends may shun me, show thy face and all is bright. Men may trouble and distress me, twill but drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me, heaven will bring me sweeter rest. Oh, tis not in grief to harm me while thy love is left to me. Oh, t'were not in joy to charm me were that joy unmixed with thee by Henry F. Light. Folks, love of parents more than love for Christ is an improper concept for the man who chooses to give Christ his all. Love for children more than love for Christ is also improper for those who follow Christ with their whole heart and love of myself more than my love for god is also inappropriate my life now needs a new master because as it says in first corinthians chapter 6 what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you which ye have of god and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Folks, there's a new cross that's been spawned among modern Christian, Christianity and it's unfortunate. When you come and you hear the preaching of the cross, the biblical concept is the concept of dying to myself. And I've mentioned it many times this week. no. You can't become a Christian by just following the rules of the conference and God bless you in your group. You can't become a Christian just by just doing whatever your church asks you to do. You can't become a Christian just by doing what your home would ask of you or your school or any of those things. All those things are wonderful things. Instead, it means coming to Jesus Recognizing the cross as a symbol of death. And it means, seriously, it means death to myself, nature. I have to die to myself. And I'll explain further what I'm talking about. Death to my wishes and my past desires and some of my opinions and my lust and my desire and some of my hopes and my plans. And I'm willing to say, Lord, take me, take my will as our text says, we are crucified with Christ. In Galatians 5.24, it says that we have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. I'm asking you tonight, have you crucified those things? In Colossians 2 and verse 20, it says that we are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. How strong of of an attraction are those things out there in the world to you? In Colossians 3, verse 3, the verse that's part of our memory work, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm not sure if we were there this morning or not, but I want to go there tonight again. 1 Peter, 1 Peter and chapter 2. There it says, starting in verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Folks, if you've not come to Jesus, I invite you to Jesus tonight. I want you to think seriously about that. If you are a Christian, I want you to ask yourself, Have I truly crucified the flesh with its lusts? How serious are we about church? How serious are we about serving Christ? Are we merely going through a routine? Are we doing like the Greeks used to do? They used to have a one-man play. They had a stage And the one man that did the whole play would have various masks. And he would come in on that side of the stage and he would hold a mask in front of his face and he would stand here and talk to the audience and he would say his part and then he would walk over there, grab another mask, come back and answer himself. He was called a hypocrite. Literally, that's what they called them. That's the Greek word. Yeah. Yeah. He put a mask on and he just rehearsed the words and he knew what to say. I pray to God, if you're there tonight, I want you to repent and get serious about your faith. Folks, I don't know what lies ahead for us, but I'm telling you, we need to be ready to stand the test. I want you to think about Romans chapter 6. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. If there's one passage of scripture that I think says most of it right there in terms of lordship, it's in this chapter. Before we go there, I want to, 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 to point out an article that I found a long time ago. The title of it is The Old Cross and the New. It starts out like this. All unannounced and mostly undetected, there has come in modern times a new cross into popular evangelical times and circles. It's like the old cross, but different. The likenesses are superficial. The differences are quite fundamental. From this new cross has sprung a new philosophy of the Christian life. And from that new philosophy has come a new technique, a new type of meeting, and a new kind of preaching. This new evangelism employs the same language as the old, But its contents not the same and its emphasis is not as before. See the old cross wouldn't have anything to do with the world. People were told what the Bible says is you got to repent of your sin and turn your back on the world. For Adam's proud flesh it meant the end of the journey. He had to stop and say, I have to count this cost. I have to think about this seriously. Now, the new cross has a different approach. Now, the, the, the evangelist may not even demand abnegation of the old life. Before a new life can be received, he preaches not contrasts but similarities. He seeks to key into the public interest by showing that Christianity makes no unpleasant demands. Rather, it offers the same thing that the world does, only on a higher level. Whatever the sin-mad world happens to be clamoring for at the moment is cleverly shown to be the very thing that the gospel offers. Only the religious product is better. Folks, that's a disaster. And that's why American Christianity is so cheaply viewed by the American public. The new cross doesn't slay the sinner. It just redirects him and it gears him into cleaner and jollier way of living. The old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt and violent end of a human being. The man in Roman times that took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends and he wasn't coming back and he knew it. I could go on, but I'll stop reading. Folks, I wonder have we bought into the new paradigm? Have we said the old gospel is too hard? We have to be a little softer with this. I hope I'm not disappointing you this week. I don't want to. But I feel a call and a burden on my heart to preach the gospel of Christ in its purity. What does it mean? When we come to Christ, it means that we have to turn ourselves over to the lordship of Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. Since grace is abounding and overflowing. Can we just continue on sinning? And the answer is absolutely not. God forbid. That's what it says. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, the premise is you come to Christ and you must be dead to sin. You must die to yourself. You make a conscious choice. No, it's not easy. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? There's an identification there that when you come to Jesus, you're willing to resign yourself to the lordship of Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Notice how many times the word death is already seen in this chapter. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We raised up from the dead. Well, Jesus said, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die. That's in John chapter 12. If it doesn't fall into the ground and die, it'll remain alone and there won't be any fruit. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. See the word death again? We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection Verse 6, knowing that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. And somebody might be saying, oh, oh, he's preaching eradication of the flesh. No, I'm not. You follow me along. The word destroyed in 6 6 is the same word as in 7 2. Look for the word. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed. That's the same word. All right. So destroyed and loosed are the same word. Also, it's the same as in seven, six, seven, six. But now we are delivered from the law. And there is the same word, the word delivered. So you could use any one of those and exchange them and you would not do harm to the scripture. So it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, loosed, delivered. Here's the analogy, folks. You don't have to henceforth serve sin. From that point on, you don't have to. You make a choice, and lordship is your choice. Nobody is going to force you to. Not even Jesus. He will call you on the other side of the cross and say, Come, repent of your sins. Come to Jesus. Come to me. I'll give you rest to your souls. And then take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, and you shall find rest in service. It's important, folks. The old cross calls for death. He that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, because he's raised in newness of life. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And then it says, verse 11. I hesitate to mention this because I did already once, but I want to make a point. It says, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, I, I, I've said this so many times that people laugh at me. I'm dead to cottage cheese. I, it has no attraction to me. I don't like it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the looks of it. I don't like the feel on my tongue if I put it in my mouth. I just don't like it. It has no attraction to me. Now, there's other things. In fact, while I was building this sermon, I remember my wife was baking a pie. And I remember that something come, you know, wafting through the house. And I'm sitting over in the living room at my desk there. And I, I smell something. And all of a sudden, I smelled, oh, oh, there's apple pie in the oven. I know that. I can smell it. Something went in here, and it hit the olfactory nerve. And the olfactory nerve took a message up here to my brain and said, Dave, that there is apple pie. Yeah. And so now I'm attracted to that. You can tempt me with that. Folks, are you getting the point? One time I preached in Virginia, and somebody met me at... After I got done preaching, met me right over there and said, I disagreed with your sermon. I'm alive to cottage cheese, but I don't like apple pie. I said, God bless you, brother. That's not the point. (laughs) He understood it, too, I think. Folks, have you died to the point that you can say, Here's the evidence. I don't live like I used to. No. Can you? I'm asking. I think it's important for us to see that. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're to put off lying and anger, stealing, and corrupt communication out of our mouth. I know some people that call themselves. They like to wear the label of Christian. But when the preacher isn't looking. It's another story. Folks that's not true Christianity. That's not lordship. No it's not. Bitterness. Anger. Wrath. Clamor. Malice. We had that the other night. Be careful folks. Pay attention. See. See. What are you alive to? I want to point out several things in this passage of Scripture where you can find how that you can conquer those things through the power of God. In verse 11 is the first step. You must regard yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. You have to see yourself as being dead indeed unto sin. Number two is in verse 11, or 12. Then the next thing it says is, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, I know what happens because I'm human too. You know I'm right when I say this, that if you give sin an inch, it'll take a foot, right? Is that what happens in your life? does in mine. There's been times I've had to come to Christ and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I did not give myself to you the way I should have. That choice that I made violated your holy law. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You allow sin to reign. That means he's king. See. Who's the king in your life? Are you still sitting on the throne? That ye should obey it in the lust serve. All right. The third step is in verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Now, folks, look at me. See this? These are my hands. Okay? My fingers. Those are some of the members of my body. See this? It's my foot. See this over here? This is the other foot. Those feet take me someplace. But you know what? They never take off walking without my will engaged. My hands don't do things without my will involved. You see my eyes? I choose what I look at. I choose what I take a second look at. Men, I know. You see these? I told my daddy one time, I think my ears are so big because you pulled on them too often when I turned around in church. He said, Well, if that's the case, I'm glad I did. These are our members. The things that you enjoy, taste with, smell. You go on and on and on. It says, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to perform sin. That's what it says. Folks, I'm, I'm telling you, I think what the Bible teaches about lordship. The next one is also in verse 13. That's number four. Yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So instead of my tongue telling those questionable stories to try and impress those people that are not saved, I use my tongue for a different purpose. Instead of going to the same places and my feet walking where I used to go. I don't go there anymore. Instead of going to the saloon and parking myself in front of that bar and drinking. I don't taste that anymore. I have given up those things because Jesus tells me here in his word. The scripture teaches me that I'm not to yield myself To those kind of things. I'm rather supposed to use my taste buds. Use my tongue. Use my testimony. To declare for Jesus Christ. That I'm in a yoke relationship with him. And nothing else matters. Okay I'll calm down. But I'm telling you folks. It's serious business. There's a cheapening going on. There's a redefining of what's Christian and what isn't. And I'm telling you it's dangerous. That's why there's a movement away from the old hymns of the faith. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Open the wells of salvation. Dead to the world would I be, O Father. Dead under sin, alive unto thee. Crucify all the earthly within me. Emptied of sin. And self may I be. See. Instead it'll be some of these catchy tunes or some of those. Well the lyrics don't have a lot of substance. Uh huh. You see everything has to shift. If you're going to move away from the genuine gospel of the word of God. Then it's going to abandon some of the principles of the past. Unfortunately it's true. Let's go on. It says, verse 14, Sin shall not have dominion over you. I take that to mean you cannot allow sin to have dominion over you. It'll crush you. It'll take you back to the pit. To the pit that you were delivered from. And it'll return your soul to eternity with the devil. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. The grace of God has come and it's appeared to us through Jesus Christ. But grace does not excuse sin. It says, it says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? He says, God forbid. There's no place for it. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Sin is a choice. But so is godliness. And you got to choose. Where are you going? Have you made that choice? Have you decided which way you're going? Have you decided, I'm not going to go that way? The way that's the easy road. The new gospel. The cheapened gospel. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey? That implies a choice. You're going to have to choose whether of sin to death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye... Notice the tense in this verb, the verb tenses. That God be thanked that ye were, past tense, servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of sin. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. You all have a tendency to go back into the pig pen of sin. Every last one of us. We have the potential to do that. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now. Yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin. You were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things of ye are now ashamed? What was the bottom line? Filthiness, dirty, rotten sins, rags, nothing good. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. God calls his children to holiness. There's a time, folks, when you have to choose where you're going What are you doing? Are you yielding to God? You see, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, are you yielding to God? What does the preaching of the cross mean? It means I give up my will. Young people, how about your music? Those of you... enjoy music. it's, It's a special thing. I understand that. Have you submitted your will to your parents or to your church or to your school or to your... You ask the question of yourself. Have you been raised in the power of newness of life, the spiritual power that comes with holiness? Have you been born again? Have you come to Jesus and resigned your will to the Lordship of Christ? Are you dead? Dead to sin? Are you alive to God? See, you're on one side of the cross or other. Have you truly given up your own fleshly lusts and desires? Is it your will or is it God's will? Tonight, I would ask you to consider the cross as a symbol of death that stands as a monument to a life of submission. The cross, the preaching of the cross means... That we live for Him. You've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. In a Chinese dying shop where they dyed things, there was a sign that said, I die to live, I live to die. The more I live, the more I die. The more I die, the more I live. I wonder where you're at. Tonight, I want to offer us an invitation to come to Jesus. If you have never found the rest that is in Christ, you've never given your heart to the Lord. I want you to consider that tonight. If you're here tonight and you've been living in defeat, and really the, on, the most honest way to state it is, have you been living and accommodating sin in your own life, excusing it? Then I would call you to come to Christ tonight. Repent of your sin. Give Christ your all. This is a lordship call. That's what it is. So we're going to have prayer. And I'm going to then ask you if you want to make that choice. I'm not going to beg long. I'm not given to long invitations. I want you to choose. Most of you know right now what you're going to do. I recognize that. So I want you to have the opportunity. Because I want, by the grace of God, to be honest and open with you and tell you what you need to do. And I think I've done that. And if I have misspoken in any way, I would invite your, your comments because I want to be accurate with the word of God. And so I would give you that opportunity to come and repent of your sin. And as I've said many, many times, this is not magic. This is following the remedy that God has for sin. You're willing to lay down your will at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these dear people that are here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the salvation that is available in Jesus Christ. I thank you for the Lordship of Christ and what it means to us. Help us to take seriously giving up of ourselves. And, Father, this message speaks to me as well. I pray, Father, you'd speak to my heart. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you what it means. Help us to take seriously the call of God tonight. I pray, Father, that no one would leave this place without finding rest for their soul and a willingness to take upon themselves the yoke of Christ. Be with us as we make our choices.